Please rise as we read Luke 24, 13 through 35. In your pew Bible, that's found on page 1,125. And your bulletin is found on page 9. They read in Jesus' name. On the road to Emmaus. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning. And when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said to him, had said, but they did not, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. And he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us as, we ta as he talked to us on the road while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has, indeed, has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. And then they told what had happened on the road, and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. Let us pray. Father, we ask that you would grant wisdom, grace, insight, Lord, that we might see and know and understand Lord, that you might be glorified. Lord, and that we might grow in our relationship with you and in, in likeness to you. Father, bless us now and guide us as you sanctify us through your truth. Your word is truth. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Uh, I didn't turn it on. No, I forgot. Thank you. Too many things going on and then I forget. So today, we're going to be looking at Jesus' interaction with the road to Emmaus. You know, what, what's going on here? What can we apply? Everything work out all right, Nathaniel? Good. You know, 
what, what does this mean for us? Because, you know, we're not on a road to, well, in some ways, we are on a road to Emmaus. We are going somewhere. We're traveling. You know, it's in the, yeah, okay, Joe. Back on track, because my mind is traveling. It must have been that excellent breakfast that we had. Maybe too much coffee this morning, too. <laughs> it was good coffee, whoever made that. Good job. Um, not the one that we, oh, good job, Vicky. So, as we start out, we're, the disciples are in a state of sorrow. Because, you know, life, life isn't going the way they had anticipated. And our expectations are really powerful. Because, you know, these disciples, they had anticipated, they had expected Jesus to be the Messiah. He was, he was going to be the Redeemer of Israel. And when they, when they said that, the fact that he had died meant that their expectations couldn't be fulfilled. Their expectations were for an earthly redemption. And we've talked about that before, and, and it's an important point because sometimes we look for this still. Look for this earthly redemption. We look for this earthly hope. We look for, you know, Jesus to, to come and to fix everything in our lives, that he's, gonna, he's just going to miraculously fix all of our relationships. He's going to miraculously fix our country. He's going to miraculously fix our town. Poof. Our jobs, every opportunity, everything going on in our lives. You know, we just want Jesus to miraculously fix everything here. And that's, that's what these disciples had anticipated. That's what they were expecting. You know, now that Jesus has come, now that this guy who we think is the Messiah has come, he's going to fix all of this stuff that we're living with. And you know, I don't, I don't often see that happening you know, Jesus just coming and saying, all right, now I'm going to fix that relationship. And I'm now going to fix that relationship. And he just, you know, waves a magic wand over it and everybody gets along. Because that's not really the way that life works in this world. You know, our expectations aren't for peace and protection and perfection. Hey, that's three Ps. You're welcome, Wendy. I've been hanging out with you too much. Um, we're not looking for, we shouldn't be expecting everything just to go the way that we want it here. Because Jesus says in this world, you will face tribulation. But do not fear, I have overcome the world. It's still going to throw things at you. So your expectations, we watch those because if we have the wrong expectations, it's really easy for expectations to be dashed, right? If we have the proper expectations, they won't get dashed. They won't be destroyed. Because these disciples of Jesus, these are disciples of Jesus. Now, granted, they're not of the 12. We don't know if they're of the 72 or not. You know, but these are disciples of Jesus. They're talking about Jesus. They're, they're thinking about all these things. They're thinking about Jesus. But things aren't working out the way that they had anticipated. And because they're not working out the way that they had anticipated, their hopes are dashed. Because how could the Messiah, who is going to give us an earthly kingdom, do that if he's dead. It doesn't work. Since their expectations were on the wrong thing, since their expectations were on an earthly kingdom, earthly peace, earthly protection, earthly hopes, temporal things, since their expectations were on those things, when Jesus died, they all lost. You know, does Jesus improve relationships? 
Yeah. But he does that as he works in my heart, not as he works in jeans or dads or dars. You know, he's called to work in my heart, so as I interact with this relationship, does he bring protection? Yeah. But he brings protection from the emotional turmoil and whatnot of the world. That doesn't mean that I'll never get into a car accident. And even in that, he says he'll protect through that. But the protection is through that. He's overcome the things of this world. So where are our expectations? Our expectations on Christ and on eternity or expectations here? Because when our expectations are in the wrong spots, they actually limit us. Because these disciples, they couldn't believe because they had the wrong expectation. Their eyes were on the wrong things and so they couldn't see the truth. You know, and that's a dangerous spot to be and that's a bad spot to be. Because, you know, the women, they're saying that Jesus rose again, but that doesn't make any sense. Because he's an earthly ruler, right? How can an earthly ruler rise again? Their expectations were for an earthly king. Not that he'd be God. Now, can God rise again? Absolutely. Can an earthly king rise again? You know, how many of you are sitting here waiting for FDR to rise again? Not really looking for it. Teddy Roosevelt would come back through and fix everything. No, not so much. Charlemagne, maybe? We'll have to go further back. No, I don't want Charlemagne either. Hmm. Well, we'll just leave those beside. We're not looking for those things because an earthly king, they can't rise again. So what do we need? We need God. Their expectations were for an earthly king, and so they couldn't believe. It didn't make any sense within their expectations. And so then they had sorrow. They had, they had distress. They had all of this pain that wasn't necessary because had they... Uh, they looked at the scriptures properly and realized that this Messiah guy was going to be way bigger than they ever anticipated. They wouldn't have had this sorrow. But their sorrow was because they kept Jesus too small. They kept Jesus too small, and when they kept Jesus too small, he couldn't, well, they didn't look to see the truth. They didn't look to see the resurrection. They didn't look to see the truth in the women. They didn't, they didn't look to see... You know what John and Peter had seen. It doesn't make sense. These things are crazy. They can't be true. And so they had to live in sorrow because they didn't believe, because they had the wrong expectations. But that sorrow wasn't the end. Because why did the Messiah come? You know, did the Messiah come in order to free the Jews? Absolutely. Just not from Rome. Did the Messiah come to free the Gentiles? Absolutely. But not from tyrannies. He came to free us from sin. He came to free the Jews from their own sinful behaviors, from their own sinful consequences, from the death that they had brought into themselves. He came to free the Jews from all of these things. He came to free the Gentiles from ourselves, from enslavement to sin and to the devil. You know, that was Jesus' purpose. He must suffer these things because in suffering this death, this is what Jesus is talking about. Oh, you who are, let's see if I can find that passage real quick. Oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? This was necessary because it was through Jesus taking all of these things upon himself that he frees us from all of those things that he freed us from. He didn't free the Jews from Rome, but he freed them from their sin. What would be better? 
to have everything you want in this life and go to hell or to go to heaven irregardless of what you have in this life. This is what Jesus gave to us. He freed us from the things of this world so they no longer have to hold sway in our hearts. They no longer have to be the things that we live for. And this is Rachel. God always loves us. You're right. And you know, that's actually why he sent Jesus to us. Because of his love for us. And that's why Jesus died. And that's why Jesus rose again. Because he loves, he loves us. Whether we're good or whether we're naughty. I wasn't pointing at Rachel that time. She's being good. He knows when he's the center of attention. He gets that from his mommy. Um, <laughs> as I'm standing up front preaching. Good job, Joe. <laughs> and no, we're not cutting that up. Um, they didn't get, the people on YouTube didn't get to see his grin. Um, what's it not necessary? Jesus had to suffer because he had to take that which was ours. Otherwise, we would have to suffer. This is what the prophets were saying. This is what the prophets were prophesying. They were prophesying a great earthly thing. They were prophesying a great spiritual thing, which would have earthly consequences, yes. But nevertheless, what are we looking for? What is our hope in? This is a question that we have to ask. What is our hope in? You know, what did the prophets say? They were always pointing us towards eternity. So is our hope in eternity. Because... Well, because when our hope's not on eternity, then our expectations are here. You just hold on, Rachel. Just leave it. It's right here. When our hope's not on eternity, all the things in this world mean way too much. Then the things in this world become gods. They grow in importance. We were out last night looking at the stars because it was a nice night. So we had a campfire in the backyard and we're looking at the stars. And you know, it's amazing to realize how small you are when you're looking at stars. How big this galaxy really is. Anton was reading this morning in a book that he had about how many, what, there's a hundred billion stars in our galaxy. And how many galaxies were there, Anton? So there was a hundred billion stars in our galaxy and there were approximate and they're anticipating or approximately a hundred billion galaxies. And that's only what they think. And so this world is so big. <laughs> it's so big. And we're so little. And so when we're thinking about when we're thinking about the things of this world, instead of eternity, the things of this world become way too big. My daily problems. Are my daily problems the things that are keeping my mind? Or the things in eternity the things keeping my mind? Am I worrying more about politics than I'm about the salvation of my soul and the other people and people around me? Am I worried more about my nest egg than my riches and glory? Where's my mind? I have to ask myself that question. How am I reacting to this, these things? Where's my hope? 
Because if I'm focusing on my nest egg, if I'm focusing on the politics around me, if I'm focusing on what the news tells me to focus on, I'm going to face sorrow. But you know what? All the things in this world, those aren't the things that really matter, are they? And the road to Emmaus teaches us that. Because what we see temporarily isn't eternal. And so then Jesus brings them joy as he brings them understanding. And he explains all of these things to him. All of these truths. He Ah, that's the wrong page. I even have it bookmarked. Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So Jesus brings them understanding because you know what? The understanding brings us joy. Why are these things here? What, what does this stuff exist for? You know, I, th I think about this. What is my family for? What is my home, myself? What are these things for? Ultimately, aren't they for the kingdom of God? If they're for the kingdom of Job, that's all going to pass away. But all this that I have, it's supposed to be for the kingdom of God, right? That's the purpose of all of these things. That's our hope. That's our goal. That's our, that's our future. We're living for our future. We're living for that which is real, that which is eternal. Because this is the understanding that Jesus brings into this world, that these things are passing away. But as these things pass away, he's got things for us to be eternal. We can look forward to the resurrection. We can. This Easter, we can look forward to being raised again. You know what? That's great. Because you know what that means? Death isn't eternal. Death isn't permanent. Death has been defeated. I don't have to, not only do I have to not fear death, but I don't have to worry about dying. I don't have to worry about any of these things because everything in this world is temporary. If death is temporary, you know what? Even taxes might be temporary. Probably not in this world, not before the resurrection. That time will come. But when we think about these physical things being temporary, everything else in this world is temporary too. And that's joyful. In some ways, it's sorrowful, right? How many of you miss things from the past? I miss things from the past. At the same time, when you're in the midst of pain, sorrow, sadness, to know that that's temporary is joyful. Sickness, it's temporary. Whether it ends in death or not, it's temporary. Things in this world are temporary, and that's joyful. Because that means that they aren't to carry all of the weight of our thoughts. They aren't to carry all the weight of our hopes, our goals, our expectations. The things in this world aren't the things that we're supposed to be living for or focused on. Because all of these things are temporary. And you know what? The things in this world, they can't sustain that weight. They can't bear the weight of our hopes, of our goals, of our plans. They can't bear that weight. Only that which is, temp or is eternal can bear that weight. Only that which is eternal really matters. Only that which is eternal can give us joy. Because the things in this world, they pass away. But the things that are eternal, those are hopes, those are dreams, those are promises that never go away. So what are we living for? As we think about that this Easter, we need to come down to this. What are we living for? 
You know, the disciples on the road to Emmaus, they felt sorrow because they were living for Jerusalem. Their hopes had been dashed. Their expectations had failed. But Jesus revealed to them, these things are temporary. This had to happen. Peg. Yeah, the Old Testament did. So Peg just asked, didn't the Old Testament say that the Messiah would have to die, that Jesus would have to die? So why were they looking for a, a worldly leader? Usually it's because we want to skip the pain and the sorrow and go right to the glory. You know, and so all of these really difficult things like in Isaiah where it says that the it talks about the suffering servant. You know, they, they wanted to gloss over that because it's not very much fun to think that, you know what? Even as a Christian, there's going to be things that are going to be hard. There's going to be difficult times. I'm going to be called to grow. You know, that, that sometimes I'm going to be convicted of sin. And I'm going to have, even, even me, believe it or not, even me, I'm going to be convicted of sin and have to repent and have to humble myself and say, you know, I did wrong. You know, we, we just want the glory. And so that's what, the, that's what the peop these people were looking for. That's what the Jews were looking for, but that's what Christians look for now. We just want the glory. I, I want everything nice and easy always. <laughs> that's what I want. I'll be honest. I like things easy. Do you guys like things easy? Do you like things comfortable? I like comfort. Jesus says, no, it's suffering. You have to go through suffering before you get glory. Things in this world will bring us sorrow, and they'll bring us hardship, and that's, that's things of life. But we like to gloss over those things. And so why did they think that? It's because they didn't want to see the whole picture. And as people read the Old Testament nowadays, they miss that too. They miss the whole of it. We see what we want to see oftentimes. Jesus comes to reveal us the whole. There's both suffering and glory. And glory comes after suffering. But glory always comes. In Christ, we have that hope. Because then that suffering is temporary. But without Christ, suffering is eternal. <laughs> so that's why, we, that's why we need to know Jesus. Good, good question. Thanks, Peg. You don't have to be, <laughs> don't be afraid. So today I ask you, where are your expectations? Where's your hope? What's it in? Everything here going well? Where's your hope and glory? And Christ being able to bring you through, strengthen you in the midst of, and bring you to something greater. Where's your hope? What are your expectations? Because if our expectations aren't in suffering, in sorrow, then when it comes, what happens? Everything's wrong. But no, we face sorrow. But in Jesus, we can be brought through to a resurrection 
the hope of glory, the promise of glory. Any other questions? No? Let's close with a word of prayer. Father, may you be glorified in us. Lord, may you work in us. May our expectations be proper. May our hope be in eternity instead of in the things that are temporary. May we hold these things with an open hand, looking to you and hoping in you and trusting in you and relying on you. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you love us. You care about us. So where we have fallen short and where we have sinned, miss your mark. Confess that. We pray that you would strengthen us. Unto that day when we will no longer, when we will be sanctified perfectly. Father, I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.